in the tank is an entrepreneur with a mission to redefine luxury. Hola, tiburones. Me llamo Sandra Velasquez, and I am here seeking $300,000 for 5% equity in my company. I took the most Mexican plant ever, the nopal, and created nopalera, Mexican botanicals for bath and body. I need you to give super claps right now for super entrepreneur Sandra Velasquez. Woo! How are we doing, Sandra? I'm doing good. Good to be good to see you in real life. Yeah, well, mostly mostly real life. Someday yeah. in real life, maybe in yeah. person someday. Uh, yeah. But today is the we do the best we can, and here we are uh, getting to celebrate your 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 personal victory on Shark Tank, which I, I think uh, is really powerful, and we will get into that. Uh, but first, let's t- roll back the clock a little bit and talk about your relationship with Shark Tank. Did you, uh, did you were you an avid you know, watcher of the show, or how, uh, t- talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I have been watching the show for a long time, um, but, you know, it's, everyone knows Shark Tank, like everyone knows American Idol. Uh, so, you know, I actually was not planning on applying, but a friend of mine was like, oh, you should apply to Shark Tank. And I was like, what? It didn't even really occur to me because I, I was just so busy. Last year was so crazy for me. Um, and I was like, all right, let me just go ahead and do it. Uh, you know, I applied online. You know, I had no contacts there. You just fill out a very simple form. If I can remember, I think it was pretty simple. And then I don't know how much longer, but I got like a a call or an email or a text or something. And then that kind of kicked off the process, which is very long, by the way. I don't know if people realize like how long the process is from when you apply to when you actually film to when it actually airs. This is not a short thing. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Well, that I mean, I think that's hilarious that you you didn't – you know, think of yourself as an opera, you know, as an, uh, I don't want to say opportunist, but as, as an, as your business, as an opportunity to go onto shark tank, like, uh, let, so dive into that a little bit. Why, um, what made you think that it wasn't good enough or an, enough of a business or the right kind of business or whatever the blockage was to you? Yeah, I think that I was just so I was so overwhelmed last year. I was in four accelerators. I was, you know, oh, wow. we were a team of two. I was doing wearing like 17 hats. And so it just seemed like a far reach, you know, like, wow, to apply to be on the TV show and then do all that whole thing. Like, when am I going to have time for that? You know, so it was more just that it felt like a very far reaching thing. Um, and then, you know, I finally just I was like, well, what I've got to lose. Let me just go ahead and, you know, throw my, my hat in the ring kind of thing. And, and still like, you know, I was just so busy throughout that process of preparation, but sometimes that's just how life is. You know, it's like everything happens at the same time and you just have to move with the momentum. There's never going to be a good time. You know, you never have extra time, you know, uh, for these kinds of big events, you just make it happen, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of things in life that are like that, both business and and personal. And um, yeah, I I think, but it it was, it's almost kind of, you know, like you said, the, the process, yeah, the application is short, but the process of going through Shark Tank is such a gauntlet of, of, you know, things that you need to um, address for them and for about your business and, and even like in your, within yourself, like, 
um, to address. And, you know, I, I think that I could, I could see where a lot of people would look at that and say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's really the right time for that, you know, but, but I've also seen the other side where we've had um, entrepreneurs come on and said, you know, even though Shark Tank might not have worked out the way I wanted it to, uh, it, it helped me get better at my business. It helped me dig into numbers and metrics that I didn't either realize existed or realize were as bad as they are and how much better they could be and how much easier everything would be if they, if I had those figured out. 100%. So at the same time as I was preparing for Shark Tank, like once I was confirmed that they wanted to move forward. And first of all, nothing is confirmed, like even until like the minute you air. <laughs> so you can prepare, you can go through that whole month's process, you can film your episode. And you know this, right? Because you're a fan of the show. Not every episode that films airs. Can you imagine going through all of that process of months of preparation, all of that, and then like no one knows it ever happened, you know? And so I was at the same time, um, you know, towards closer to the end, getting closer to the film date is when I actually was also starting to fundraise. So those numbers that you're talking about, Joe, um, it, it was like I was already having to get all that stuff together anyway, because absolutely applying for Shark Tank, they need all your financials, all of your corporate documents, all of your intellectual property, all of these things that you need to give to investors anyway. So I was already preparing that at the same time. So that's, that's how it ended up working out. I was like, I'm doing this anyway. You know what I mean? But when I first applied, I was not fundraising. I was a very different time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean that, yeah. So, I mean, think, you know, it's funny how things change um, so quickly and then how much you can apply that to other aspects, not just of the business, but in your case, like, okay, we're going to, to be raising. So like, I, I do know a lot of these numbers I do have. Yeah. Uh, things in place and and I think also maybe like the mindset of having of being able to take on an uh, an investor as well you know because uh, it's not just like oh Shark Tank or bust it's no like the business has to keep you know thriving and surviving through that process but yeah. also after that process regardless of how it turns out correct and if it even airs I mean we saw uh, season. Uh, season 12 saw an episode that was filmed in season 11. And the only reason it was so painfully obvious was because they were all the sharks were next to each other and they had to put a thing in front like, hey, you know, yeah. the illness is this was shot well before the illness was ever a thing. Yeah. Um, it makes me wonder, like, how many other episodes are like that in this in the series that mm -hmm. are shot out of season um, that we just never really recognized because totally. the show hasn't changed that much except to we're with the illness and yep, you know, with the distance, everybody away. Yeah. But, totally. uh, but yeah. Okay. So, so talk about how you, you know, once you started to figure out that the process was going to happen for shark tank or you were, you know, you were moving through the, the pipeline. Um, how did you balance that with your, you know, your growing business? and and life yeah i mean i just think there's no there's no easy answer to this there's no free time when you are a startup when you are wearing 17 hats i mean thankfully at that point when i had a you know applied and was you know moving through the pipeline i had already transitioned manufacturing to a co-packer because for the first year of business i was making the products myself so for, i spent like year one in hospital scrubs covered in oils because i was making the soap myself and um so at least I had that off my plate, but there was still so much other stuff, you know, like operational stuff and just day to day stuff. And then I was in like, you know, 5 million accelerators, like I mentioned. Uh, so there was, it, I was just booked back to back. It was like, 
just every day was just like I was sitting at my desk on Zoom, you know, and and then I would go collapse at night. Um, and so much so, Joe, that like I actually like started to get like loose circulation in my feet because I was sitting at my desk so much during the day that I was like, why are my like my feet are starting to tingle? And that's how that's how, you know, you're sitting too long, you know, and so it was that was just that's how it was last year. It was just bananas, you know. Um, so I don't know what the answer is of how I balance it. I just somehow did it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know they say that like the whole standing desk thing is kind of like a, a farce. Um, but if you're in your case, it's not, you know, no. it, it, being able to stand up is uh, a luxury, right? And, and being able to move around. And that's why one of the things I love about the Apple watch is it tells you every hour, like, Hey, dummy, stand up, Get up. go walk around, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. for, for a minute. Um, and and yeah, I mean the yeah you don't you don't want that because you know the other thing is like that's where like blood clots happen right the the the, the one thing that yeah. always scared me to death is uh was that the there's a story of the guy on the plane that was doing like some twenty hour flight or something like that and he went to get up after the flight and boom dead because the blood clot released from his leg went straight up to his brain and killed him it's no or joke his heart or maybe heart his, or brain one probably of his, yeah probably his, yeah his heart i mean yeah it's no joke and i mean it was the kind of thing where i at the end of the day i would have like plates on my desk from like you know breakfast lunch like they would just accumulate because i was eating at my desk while working you know between meetings or sometimes during meetings and um you know i'm glad that era is over <laughs> Can it, well, let's let's talk a little bit about that as well, um, because I, I, I think that, uh, you know, new entrepreneurs don't necessarily see the value sometimes in, in having an MVP, uh, you know, a minimum viable product. And and that MVP usually it's probably going to be manufactured by you, the, the <laughs> entrepreneur, the super entrepreneur in some way, shape or form. And um, so I, I would love for you to speak on. Uh, the importance that that you know in you know what that enabled you to be able to do by uh by taking that on head on by making them yourself yeah i mean i was a beauty industry outsider joe so i literally was like how do i get products made how do i find ingredients like how do i find anything and so me making my products for the first year was not because i wanted to be crafty was because i literally had didn't know how else to get them made and it took me an entire year my first year of business to actually find manufacturing partners that would make my formulas. Because what I did do is that I spent a year, like before I launched studying formulation, I went to formulation school, I got a certificate and I worked on the brand, meaning not just the logo, but like the brand. What is this? What is the mission? What are our values? Who is our customer? Why does this need to exist? Why does it need to exist now? So that's actually what I did right is that I spent a lot of time on the foundation so that when I did launch, when I turned the website on, like the orders came, you know, I built the email list before I launched. Um, but I was still stuck being a manufacturer. <laughs> and so there was that. Um, so I think that, you know, the MVP, like making sure that you have, you know, people call it product market fit, who's your target market, all of that, these kind of like business buzzwords that don't really mean anything to anybody who's not in business. <laughs> um, really, it's just like, being like answering those hard questions up front, because a lot of founders, and I've seen this too, because I used to work in CPG. And I used to, you know, teach a class for CPG, um, founders about like distribution a lot of founders create a brand and a product out of passion like they like it and then they try to figure out like how do i get people to like it too how do i find out how to get into stores right because they didn't work backwards and so i really began with the end in mind um and that's why you know we've had like the traction and the success that we've had 
Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, having that background, I mean, any background in business helps. Uh, but having a background that in, in anything that's consumer and related, uh, really, you know, can push that push that needle, uh, move the needle for you a lot faster. Um, how speaking to you know being in the accelerators and all that and and adding Shark Tank like how well you, at that point you were already at a co-packer right when when you were yes yes but prior to that balancing the amount of time between trying to make the sale <laughs> trying to make the product trying to be in your accelerators and be present for those things that I'm sure you didn't get for free you know get them for free um, at least probably not all of them um, and. And and trying to like manipulate time, you know, warp time and space to fit, um, you know, what was needed at the time for you. Mm-hmm. It's about systems, you know. Um, it's about systems, and that sounds so boring. Like no one wants to talk about operations. No one wants to talk about systems. But I, let me I tell do. you. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, That's okay. okay. So day. I could we could talk about it all day because. <laughs> You need systems, you know, you need SOPs, right? I hate writing SOPs. It's like the bane of my existence, but I forced myself to like to sit down and write them all out because I knew that eventually someone else would have to do whatever it is that I was doing. And you need to literally be able to just hand it to someone and be like, here are the directions, step one, step two, step three, step four. And, um, and then just creating the systems on the back end, you know, making sure that systems are talking to each other, automating things, eliminating things, right? So it's always like, automate you like it's like delegate automate eliminate you know and and so that's something that you're always doing you know i'm still always trying to be like can i eliminate something here you know can i can i delete something can i can does this meeting really have to happen like can this be an email uh so i think that systems are are what ultimately if you don't have them in place you're gonna feel them when you don't and you can't really scale without them you know yeah yeah no i mean that's i'm a business operations strategist <laughs> but you know so for me it's all i like i love eat breathe like how can we make it more efficient how can we do uh m- you know create more more opportunity for to make magic for our customers for our team yes. uh, through the processes by making it easier rather than just like yeah well this is the way we just always did it because like that's the way it is and it's like no 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 no. yeah let's start let's start back at brick one and like and then hey we can give her to this and give her to that and yeah. kind of combine these two and oh technology came into play since this was created so now we can you know manipulate this and and work with it you know yeah yeah so going into the tank um let, let's let's talk about how you came up with your three hundred thousand for five percent uh, mm-hmm. valuation. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we get into how you were feeling going walking down yeah. the hall, yeah, you know, valuation is such a tricky thing. And luckily, like I said, I was also starting to fundraise at the same time, so I was having to, you know, I was talking to like third party sources who help brands do valuations based off of their, you know, traction and their forecasting and. You know, people would always tell me one of the accelerators I was in, it was more like a mentorship cohort. It was with True Beauty Ventures, which are VCs, and their whole thing is like to prepare you for funding. And what I would always ask, like, how do you know what your valuation is when you are a year old, you know, or a year and a half old? And people would always say, like, the the mark that's determined by the market. And I'm like, but what does that mean? Like, who is the market? Who is the someone is ultimately deciding this is valued at this? And what I realized or what I learned ultimately is that it's literally no different than like, why is a Picasso worth what it's worth? Who decided that it's worth a lot of money? 
the person who spent the money. That's who. And so it's the same with business, you know, especially when you're a young business, it's all about like, what is the traction, even if it's like only a year behind you? And then what is the future opportunity? What is the market size? And all of those things are taken into account. And then the person writing you the check is going to be the one that says, hey, Joe, your business is worth, you know, $20 million or $10 million or whatever it is. And you can always counter that, but you need to have something to support why you believe that it is what it is. So um, that's just kind of where I was at that moment when I came up with, you know, where, when it was time to decide, you know, because again, when, what you saw being aired, like I actually filmed many months before that, you know? Um, so that's where it was, um, at that time. And that's what I felt comfortable, you know, going in with it later, it later went up because I ended up raising, you know, $2.7 million at a higher valuation. That's awesome. That's yeah. I, I, I think that that's your, your key there is is it's worth whatever somebody's worth willing to actually pay, not just what they're like. Oh well, this is what it would be if I was going to give you. That's one of the reasons why um, I get this comment every once in a while. Like Joe, I wish you would say, you know, if you would invest in the company or or whatever or how much. And and I kind of dance around it. Some you know sometimes I'll I'll you know whether I think it's a fair valuation or not, but you know, a definitive answer is really tough because that means that I feel that I can definitely add value to it, right? And that I definitely feel passionate about it, that I would want to be involved in it. And now I can say, pitch me on Super Tank because if you go to supertank.tv, I'm, you know, I'm t- I'm offering up to 10000 over $10,000 uh, to potential, you know, companies, businesses, business ideas uh, that would love to have me as a as a minority partner um and and so the yeah now i can say that but we haven't we haven't gotten there yet so I won't, i'm not adding investor or angel you know investor okay get comfortable with it get yet. comfortable with it well i i oh i'm comfortable i'll okay. be comfortable with it but I, i'm not gonna add that yet because i haven't actually accomplished it yet my hope okay. is that that like you know in two to three four or five months i will at least add one business under my belt then i'll be like oh yeah no totally like let's go and we'll just we'll start the clock again you know yeah on the ten thousand, and it, it adds every month I, i'm putting the ad some of the ad revenue from this channel in into that pool so amazing uh so it's already up to uh ten thousand one hundred and sixty, and by next you know the end of february it'll be a little bit higher a little bit higher um but anyway I, you know, um, I think that it's it's really tough for somebody to to say that unless, again, you're willing to actually put that kind of money up. Um, and I also think that when it comes to the product and what your, you know, the market will bear for it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, to me, it comes down to like how big of a problem are you solving? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, if yeah. you got the thing that like, hey, I got this soap and it's soap. But it'll erase 20, you know, wind the <laughs> clock back 20 years on your face with just like three applications. Yeah. 20 minutes later, you're looking 20 years younger. Like, I, you know, yeah, it's more, more than a, a $4, $5, $8, $10 bar of soap. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, people like to focus on our soap, but the soap is just one thing that we make. And, it, you know, ultimately we're not going to be a soap brand. I mean, the soap is part of our brand mm. moat. You know, our shape is it's customized. It's, you know, I drew it by hand. I had a custom mold made. There's a reason that all bar soap is square because it's all made with the same machinery. Um, and so I drew this to match, you know, the brand, which is the cactus. It has cactus in it. Um, but it's just one of the things we make. We're working on, you know, a lot of new products still in the bath and body category. 
Um, and the problem is not, you know, just about the efficacy of the product. It's also just about the problem that your brand solves in the market, you know, because, for example, I don't think that my brand could have been as successful 10 years ago. I don't think the market was ready, you know, but now we're living in this time in this moment in history right now, you and I together, where retailers are waking up, right? This is like, you know, Black Lives Matter has happened. It's still happening. Like retailers are waking up and they're going you know what, our shelves are not representative of who actually shops here and who actually spends money in this category, who who spends, who over indexes in this category. And we have just been, you know, conditioned, like everything luxury in this country is European. And somehow we just accept that, you know, but it's like how many French people actually live in this country, Joe, and how many versus how many Latinos, you know, it's many, a joke. How many French people live in France? Because I know that's been a <laughs> problem, like going back, like getting close to 20 years now where it's like, Hey, the French population is actually being dominated by other uh, ethnicities <laughs> in France that there might not be French people, and their and their their um, their birth rate is is dropped, dropping, I think, dropping, or dropped below that threshold of like there's no like they're not all going to disappear tomorrow, but mm-hmm. we're not looking at a good you know it's not good, it's not looking good. Yeah, it's not looking good for them, right? I mean, yeah, good for, for who, term, you know, so you know, uh, I don't know, heritage, you know, French yeah. heritage or French, I, I don't culture, right. yeah. long term. Yeah. So that's also that, right? It's like the opportunity is like in this moment in history where, you know, everyone is realizing, wow, the fastest growing community in this country is a Latino community. And yet, like, retail is behind. You know, they're like, they're behind. So when I go to store shelves, I mean, that's how the idea came to me because I was working in sales for other CPG brands and I was going in stores a lot for other brands and just seeing like, wow, so we have Shea Moisture. Okay, great. We have, um, you know, this like plenty of soap from the South of France, okay, on store shelves and, um, and just other products, you know. Um, and so that it's really like we're disrupting that space and, um, and creating you know, an entire community, allowing them to be able to be seen and like celebrating our culture very like loudly and proudly, because again, that's where we are in this moment in history. And I don't think we're going back. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we should. I, I think it's, uh, you know, I was watching a video, a little off topic, but watching a video uh, of one of the tech tubers I watch, which is uh, Linus Tech Tips is shout out to lttstore.com. Um, and he, he did a video reacting to old uh, technology ads and some of the ads, even from like 2013 to 2015, were like, "Wow, I can't believe they got they they did that and got away with it, um, and and weren't lambasted." And it's like just like a year, two years, you know, when you start talking like getting into the the Me Too movement forward, it's like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, yeah, no, this is there's a reason why these ads aren't on their fa- their YouTube channels anymore." <laughs> but exactly, but they had them, you know, exactly. Uh, Ah, yeah, so the, it, you know, life has changed uh, hard and fast. Um, and with that said, like fast change still takes like a decade, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. it, it just does because generations of people have to, you know, move through this and they have to get accustomed to it and resist it. And eventually, mm-hmm. you know, they'll just be like, oh, wasn't it always this way? I, yeah. I think it was, Yeah, you know, but it takes, you know, five, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years for that, uh, for that adjustment period to set in. Um, cause people don't just like re, you know, reprogram themselves to like old habits die overnight. hard. They do, they do. Yeah. Right. And, um, and yeah, so I, I think it's, I think it's great that having, 
other other ethnicities and other heritages and cultures represented rep- represented represented mm-hmm. on uh, on store shelves. I think is is really cool and important uh, for for to have more opportunity because I, I also think it's great for the youth. To be able to look, I mean, we see that with, um, you know, celebrities and stuff like that, especially, you know, African-Americans like this, this week got the Super Bowl, right? I'm not, mm-hmm. not yeah. just saying it for the sake, but, you know, we have, <laughs> with having two, two black quarterbacks, it's like, wow, like, look, you know, they have an example to look, you know, not just one, but two examples of the, at the pinnacle of, of their game to look up to. And I think yeah. that is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I, I think it's absolutely important. I think what you're doing really matters more than just the cosmetic side, you know, just yeah. for cosmetics purposes. Absolutely. So with all that said, walking down the hall uh, <laughs> of Shark Tank, how were you feeling in that moment? You know, um, I, the good thing is that I am a former professional musician. So that really served me because, you know, even when we did like rehearsals or, um, you know, like some of the other contestants were like, wow, you're so, um, like confident. And I'm like, it's because I've been on stage for 15 years. I was a lead singer of a Latin alternative band. So, you know, give me the mic and I I'll lead the room, you know? <laughs> and so I have that in, in, you know, to my benefit and then it's a lot of hurry up and wait there. You know, it's like you wake up early, you make up and hair and like you're waiting in the green room. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's just like, okay, it's your, it's your time, you know? And so I really did a lot of just inner work. You know, I literally called upon both my father's side, and my mother's side, like all of my ancestors, like, listen, this is our moment. This is for all of us. I'm, I'm just the vessel. I'm going to walk in with full pride because that is what my brand is about. And I honestly felt like there's, first of all, I have to also say like, there's so much that happens in the tank that you don't see, right? Like it gets edited out to like eight minutes and you're in there for like 40, right? So I really felt that the sharks actually could feel like the pride that I walked in with. And that's why I feel like they were actually respectful, you know? And, you know, when they bowed out, they were like, you know, I'm going to want too much. Like th- for that reason, it's not going to be good for you. And that's for that reason, I'm out. And that's why I was like, thank you so much. I'm, that's so respectful because you know that what you're going to ask for me is like actually not good <laughs> for, you know, for me. So thank you for removing yourself, you know. And so I literally just did exercises of like, this is not about me. I'm here to represent. I'm here to represent like, you know, my father used to pick fruit. You know, my mother came from Mexico, did not speak English when she arrived when she was 20 years old. You know, my grandparents like were laborers, you know. And so the fact that I'm here now, I'm like, I'm going to bring it like I'm here to stand in my full worth. And and that's what I did. No, it's a, and you absolutely did. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, incredible that, you know, I, I love that when all of your experience brings you to that moment that's yeah. like, you know, when you were singing, what, what is a Latin alternative band? Is it like punk rock for in Latin or it can be, or, or it can be, oh, it can okay. be. Yeah. So there's definitely like punk rock, Latin alternative bands. Mine was more like rock. It was like bass guitar drums. You know, I play electric guitar, so it was bass guitar drums, but instead of a lead guitar, there was accordion. Um, and it was like rock, you know, music meets like cumbia, which is like the dance music of it's technically Colombian, but it's very popular in Mexico. And so it was dance music, but with a rock attitude, because, you know, I grew up in San Diego. I grew up listening to like Jimi Hendrix, you know, Led Zeppelin, but also my parents music, because that's what happens when you're from the border. Uh, so it was really that mix. Um, so that's yeah. Latin alternative is like, 
you know, you can look at the Latin Grammys and see anyone that's like a rock band, you know, is considered Latin alternative because I guess it's not uh, traditional music. That's really why it's alternative. Okay. 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 All right. So, well, the, 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 well, then that's not like, is that any Latin rock music at that point? Or is it because like it, we have like the classic rock and yeah. then there's, you know, hard yeah. rock, like there's all these yeah. different things, but yeah. they're all rock and then there's alternative which is yeah a form of rock but like it's really yeah. its own like main genre i guess yeah so i definitely wouldn't consider like there's you know like mana is a group in mexico that's kind of considered the mexican bon jovi so i would not consider oh. them latin alternative because it's very mainstream you know it's it's like how bon jovi is here right it's like in every bar you know karaoke you know um Speaking but, my yeah, Jersey so language here. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> but you know, um, like the newer bands, right? So they would be kind of fall under Latin alternative. But I think that that's like an American term. I think that if you go to those countries, they don't call themselves Latin alternative, right? That's just like a, a genre name that's been put on them here when they come and tour here. And there's mm. like a Latin alternative music conference here. You know, I've so mm. it, it was it was like a scene. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um yeah no so anyway get back to what i was saying the the oppor you know the opportunity to have all these experiences and, and we don't know when we're going through those experiences how it's going to play out yes, later on how exactly. it applies and that's why i think it's so important to get different uh aspects and different perspectives and stories and um experiences that we just like you know maybe we we do it and then we like we put it on the shelf and then we wait around and then it's like oh we take that off and it's like yes. we don't even realize that we're calling sometimes to those things yes that are going to enable us to be able to walk down the hall and start do the next and, thing yeah and do exactly. it right i 100 percent um, agree oh i'm glad i'm glad to hear that <laughs> so okay so speaking to the sharks speaking to the fact that um they did you know didn't quite love the the valuation um <laughs> and felt but felt respectful enough to want to say you know i i don't want to like insult you i don't mm -hmm. want you know to come off as I, cause I, I also think that part of it, I wonder if part of it, cause I've seen this a couple of times when it's a, when it's ethnic based, whatever the product or whatever it is, it's like, it's all, it would be insulting to, for them to be like, yeah, I'll take 45%. And it's like coming from Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I need a dollar bar while we're at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, but, but then it's like, it's not a Latin company at that point, yeah. you know, yeah. like, I mean, I don't know how much percentage you owned at that point, but like 40% oh, yeah. or you yeah. owned a hundred percent at that yeah. point still. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but if you were raised, you know, if it doesn't leave you much room to raise unless they're willing to sell their shares mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. you saying, well, we're not mm -hmm. Latin owned. Yeah. We're just, you know, yeah, exactly. You might and as well I think... be like the P and G or whatever. Exactly. Like, just, yeah, we made the thing, but we're not actually of that heritage or that background or, or anything. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that's why, Joe, I think what most what I think the general population of, you know, of Americans that are watching the show, they don't really understand what 30% of your company really means in the bigger picture, right? Because you think 30%, oh my God, that's not that much. There's still all this other percentage left, but it's like, no, that's not how it works. Because if you're really trying to grow and scale a brand to like become a global brand, you're not just going to raise once. This is like the first time. And then the next time, what? Someone's going to want 30%. Like, and then to your point, you're no longer a majority shareholder, like, you know, owner of, the, of your own company that you built. And it's owned by other people who can kick you out of your own company, which has happened many times, you know? So it's, and to your point, also that, right? Like, this is still a Latina owned company. You know, the investor that I ended up did, 
ended up taking on is a Latino fund. They are Latinos, uh, and their whole fund is to fuel the Latino economy. And so there's, it's still a Latino-owned company, even though I have a lead investor who wrote me a much larger check than any of the sharks were willing to do. I think in this in this current, um, I don't know if climate's the right word, but I, mm-hmm. I think in this age, I think it's important that like you know because story matters so much. Yeah. I think it like again, I, I think like having like oh well, Kevin owns for you know Kevin O'Leary owns like fifty percent or forty percent of it's like, but but he's not Latino, and mm-hmm. it's like it's almost like disingenuous, which you know kind of tarnishes the story. Um, even though you would absolutely like push the story as much as hard as possible, kind of like the the Tom story. There's no guy named Tom. Yeah, and yeah. there's you know, <laughs> it's just like not really the real, yeah. really real story. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. And um, and and people care about that now. Like to your point, like people ask us still, like, is this is this owned by Latinos? You know, and I I'm like, can you go to our website and read the bio? Do you see my name? My name is Sandra Lila Velasquez. Like, I, do you need me to, do you want to see like my birth certificate? Do you want to see my parents' birth certificates? Because people want to support like an authentic brand. Like that's the age we live in. We live in this transparent age. You know, when we were children, we didn't know who made our products. You didn't know who made your cereal, nor did you care. You yep. know what I mean? You didn't Both know who made your shoes. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. You didn't know who made your shoes. And now people do care, right? We do care about where things come from who is behind them. And I, as a consumer also care, like if I can't find the founder of a brand that I'm supporting, I, it's like kind of weirds me out. I'm like, who owns this brand? Like there's nothing on the website anywhere that tells me who owns this, you know? Um, not that every founder has to be, you know, forward facing and on Instagram live. Do you know what I mean? But still like, you want to know like who is behind this because we understand that our dollars matter, you know, that we can vote with our dollars and where we spend our money. Like that's, that's the world we live in now. Yeah, no, I absolutely. I mean, nobody's I don't think anybody's asking about the 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 big, you know, Johnson Johnson, the <laughs> Fortune 500 companies to like where's where I think it's important that those CEO, CEOs do put themselves out there and, um, you know, say good things and, and do good things. Um, But I don't think it's as important. Like I couldn't tell you like IBM CEO like I Me neither. I, Tight, right so yeah um you know i, I but i i'd still well i don't buy anything from ibm but but uh, <laughs> i know i was like i'm a mac person so i don't really that's yeah, why i don't know <laughs> i mean me too i mean i'm on a pc right now but i i'm both i yeah. i use macbooks uh because they're the best laptops hands down but uh you know i uh, yeah i think i think as um anybody that's that's not in that fortune 500 fortune 500 you know or fortune yeah for, i was i thought i said fortune 100 fortune 100 500 yeah. uh talk I, I think it's important for those stories to the you know to be part of the marketing i mean we see so many aspects of things utilized for marketing that um is purely for marketing but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it, it might it might do good but it's like yeah but we we all know that you, you did this for the marketing right yeah or and, that the, it's just not authentic it. it's not authentic right and that's that's the other thing joe is like when i had the idea for this brand i f- it felt like a calling it really felt like a lightning bolt like i did not doubt whether i should start this brand and when i started this brand by the way i was 43 years old and unemployed and i had no savings so like starting this brand was not because like i had money lying around you know it was really my way out of building a better life for myself and for my child and so um when I had the idea, I was like, I have to do this because if I don't do it, Procter and Gamble is going to come and do it poorly and it's going to be inauthentic. 
And because that does happen, right? And that's why people ask me, like, or they reach out, even some of my retailers, like when they first discovered the brand, they were like, the first thing we did was go to your website to see like who owned this brand to make sure that it wasn't cultural appropriation. Because there is so much of that. And that's why it's so important for us to be exactly who we are and like own this, you know. And um, so, you know, it's real. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I think it's, I think it's great that we have people waking up to that, um, you know, to, to that idea that like I, I need to do a little more research about a lot of the things that I'm do, buying, using, especially things that we put in our body, on our body. You know, those 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 are maybe a little bit more important than like um, who made this like laser thermometer, <laughs> you know. I, I have that one, by the way. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like 20 bucks on Amazon or something, yeah. right? Like, I use yeah. it when I was making my own products. That was my temperature thermometer. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, it works great. I use it. Uh, I've used it for a lot of different things. That I was, was like, great. oh, are you, are you making soap over there, Joe? Okay. No, I am not. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> that's all I can think of is a fight club at that point. Um, so, <laughs> so speaking of fight club, uh, you know, it seemed like Damon took uh, some some uh, issue with how you chose to <laughs> yeah. counter uh, yeah. by offering uh, the same valuation of six million dollars yeah. when you came up yeah. with six hundred thousand for ten percent. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I I just had to smile because. First of all, let's not forget this is a television show. It, there has to be an entertainment value. Otherwise, it's boring. Who wants to watch that? And so, you know, I think it's great that he had that reaction. You know, it's, it's, it was funny, you know. And um, I personally took no offense to anything, you know. So for me, it was like, okay, I love that Damon wants to, uh, wants to like mansplain how the show works to me. I'm, you know, I, <laughs> you know, let me tell you how the show works. Okay, first you come in and then we counter and then you counter. Um, so, you know, it's fine. People can say whatever they want to say. And ultimately like this is this, you know, I'm bringing the opportunity to you. And I think that that is the thing that, um, was, was like the, the, the kind of the takeaway is like, you know, I think people expect for us to go in there groveling, like we're so desperate for a hundred thousand dollars and don't get me wrong. A hundred thousand dollars would change my life. Whose life would it not change? Right. But when you know that you're building something that's extremely valuable, like you have to recognize your own worth in that moment and realize that you are presenting an opportunity to the investor, you know, because there's plenty of money in the world. And this is also what I learned through fundraising is that there is so much money in the world, Joe. There's so much money The people have so much money that they don't know where to put it, that they're like, Hey, Joe, you, what's the deal flow? What do you got? Do you know any companies where I can like put this money to help to make it grow? So it's not just sitting there, you know, like in the, in your brokerage account or whatever. Um, and so not all money is good. Just because someone says, hey, I'm going to give you $300,000, but I want 30%, that doesn't mean it's good. You know, that doesn't mean it's the right choice. And again, going back to my earlier point, 30% is a huge amount of a company to take in an early stage, you know, and they know that. They know that. Daniel knows that. He bought back his own company from his, you know, from like his first investor. Like if you read his story, you know, he actually ended up buying back his company, their shares, and then it rose like the valuation. Then it was like worth two billion, you know. So it's not always a good idea to even in the moment if you feel desperate, if you know that you can do better, wait. Yeah, you know, I and, and we talk. I mean, I talk about this a lot on the show. Uh, you know, about how like, well, you know, like a hundred, a hundred thousand dollars is still a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, 
dude like, that's like a purchase order get it. well right well yeah probably a kind of small purchase order depending on how big of a thing you're shipping to but i mean you can get that like you can get loans right yes. like there's ways to get that money yes i mean now when you start talking about three four five hundred thousand that's yeah. a different yeah. conversation but a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand like mm-hmm. there's there's definitely ways that sometimes they're not the best ways to be getting totally. money totally. um i wouldn't always recommend it but it's not impossible to get that money yeah um yeah yeah it's not it's not uh, and oh and the other part of the aspect of it is is uh, you know when you start when you're talking about like a hundred thousand like you could pay back a hundred thousand right like it would take a while but like mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. If, if everything failed and you had to go get a job you could pay it back it's not yeah. some unfathomable amount like oh it's a million dollars where yes. it's like Yes. You know, yeah, yes. you're gonna have to work like eight jobs, like nonstop around the clock, to be able to pay that back if everything went to crap. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing too is you know, um, I think the general population that's watching, they're like, wow, hundred thousand dollars is like so much money. It's more money than people make in a year. But when you're running a business where there is tax, insurance, product insurance, rent, employees, health benefits, like it's not that much money. It's just not, you know, it's, and not to mention if you're a product-based business and you have inventory like we do, you know, that's literally like a purchase order, you know, and then what? So great. Now I just sold 30% of my company and I've gotten one purchase order out of it, you know, then what? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot of times we'll see like, oh, can you give us a line of credit or, or, uh, uh, or you, you fund the POs for us going forward. Uh, and, and, and those types of things get weaved into the deals cause they know they're going to have to go somewhere else for the money if, if, uh, and, and the, you know, the sharks know that, right. And the sharks don't want to necessarily have their deals flounder, right? Like, oh, I gave this guy or girl 200,000, $300,000. And, and now the B, the, you know, the business is facing bankruptcy because we can't fund a PO. Well, yeah. uh, that means my money's just going down the toilet. <laughs> like I just might as well just, you yeah. know, did a bonfire in the backyard with a whole totally. bunch of cash. Exactly. It's the same effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny that, that I, I feel like Damon mansplaining should have been the title, uh, <laughs> of, the, of, the, of my video. Um, I, I missed that. I, you know, I, it didn't even occur to me at the time that that's what he was doing without him realizing, uh, probably even him realizing it, uh, especially considering he was already out at the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, well, you have more to say? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not, that's not great. Um, but, you know, may, I don't know, maybe I'll go and change the, uh, change that title to, to Damon. Well, I'll, I got the video up here. So, you know, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll take a look and see. But, um, so, so you, you wind up uh, not getting a deal. Uh, Daniel was the basically the lifeline, though. Kevin was still in, I guess, at the end because he was like, "Oh, and I'm out." Like, yeah, yeah. Technically, it was Kevin, you know, who made the first offer, and then Daniel came back in to counter. So there were technically two deals on the table at that time, and then you know, I I just declined both of them. They and then they both, you know, also responded with saying they're out. But I was like, I, I just told you you were out, so you don't need to say that again. <laughs> so you're leaving the tank how how are you are you feeling as empowered as you seemed leaving because uh it's funny you mentioned the man's thing because then it went to mark talking instead of to you talking 
Yeah. Mark, I love Mark's, you know, Mark is, he's so funny, right? Where he kind of like cheers for people when they say no, like good for them, you know, like he does that a lot. And, um, and he said that, you know, when I walked out of the tank as well, like good, hell yeah, good for her, you know? Um, I was feeling empowered, but it's also, you know, it's, it's still scary. Right. And like fundraising and asking for money is just nerve wracking, at least when you're doing it for the first time, which, so for me, like this was the first time I actually fundraised, you know, um, this was our series seed that I closed, you know, just a few months after filming Shark Tank. Um, and it's still, it's still nerve wracking when you're like, oh my God, I just like someone was going to give me money. And I said, no, because I just had to believe that more like a better opportunity was going to come. And it did. So I think because I'm just older, you know, like I'm not 23, you know, like I'm 46. So like I have just lived, I've been on earth for a minute and I just know that the only regrets I have in life are when I settled, you know, if I look back and you're like, Hey, Sandra, what are your regrets in life so far? I'm like, I don't regret, you know, this, that, that the only times I regret are like when I undervalued myself and when I settled, when I knew that I deserve better. And that includes some marriages that I've been in. <laughs> Okay. So those are the moments. And so that's why now I'm able to be like, you know what? I just know that there's more. And I think a lot of us operate from the fear that we think if we don't take what's given to us in front of us, that there's not more on the other side. And what I really, you know, showed to myself and to the community is that there is, <laughs> in my case, there was $2.7 million for a lot less equity, you know, um, on the other side. And, and so that's really, in that moment, right, that you have on the screen that you captured is like, I'm like, really just trusting my gut. That's the feeling that I'm having. Like, I just know that there's, there's something better. Ding, ding, that absolutely. I, you know, I'm a strong believer in everything happens for a reason. And, you know, we, we don't always get to see how, like we said, said earlier, like the experiences and the things that we do, uh, we don't want, you know, might not reveal them to ourselves, like what that is going to help us accomplish in the future. Um, but, you know, you, you just got to stay in the game, right? And keep keep pushing forward. Yes. And there's always more. I think that's the thing, right? Is you just, you'll never know if you just settle and you're like, well, this is fine for, this is fine where I am right now. I'll just stop here. That's not how you grow. You know, you can choose like comfort or you can choose growth. You can't have both. Yeah. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. You hundred percent. Uh, you you can't you can't have both at the same time. Yeah, growth um, growth is scary. You know, it's like it takes courage. You know, like so that was that was one of the most courageous things I've ever done is like walking in there and then saying no. You know, because they weren't. I was open to whatever was going to happen. You know, because I have seen them do deals of five percent, eight percent, right? So I had my mm -hmm. ceiling in mind. Yeah. So I was like, this is very possible. They're they're going to say they can. They'll they'll agree. You know. But when they when the starting point is 30 percent, I'm like, OK, we're so far apart here, you know, like we are not going to see eye to eye. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, you definitely weren't. And, and as uh, my great grandfather always said, a hard deal is a bad deal. And, mm. and it would have been bad for you like mm -hmm. to, to go and say, OK, yeah, I'll do the 30 percent. And then, I mean, odds are you probably would have backed out of it uh you know because that when uh, after the cameras were off like mm -hmm. um because that wasn't what you you had in mind and that wasn't where you were at that time and i think um you know one of the things we get we get a i get a question a lot uh in the comments uh in in the super community is like 
you know, I, I want to start a business, but I don't really have much to start with or, or you know, I, I'm not really anywhere. And I'm like, that's actually great because that means you don't have a bunch of bills you have to, like, account for or mm-hmm. atone for every mm-hmm. single month, right? Like, you don't have the big car payment, the big house payment, the this, the that, yeah. the third. Like, you have the basics that yes. you, you have. So it's like if you fail, you didn't you didn't move. Like, you, yeah. didn't, you didn't go from being up here to being down here. You, you just you stayed here and you gained a bunch of experience and a yes. bunch of uh, things that you wouldn't have gained otherwise. Right. Mm-hmm. And ex- uh, experience and experiences, mm-hmm. opportunities that you wouldn't necessarily have otherwise. So in a lot of ways, it's, I think it's easier to start with less and, and get to that, you know, not ignore the MVP. Yeah. Get to something where it's like, hey, yeah, I make this. I sell this at this place. And, and, you know, yeah, I'm making a couple dollar profit here and there. And, and we just keep rolling and rolling and rolling it. And I don't have these big expenses that like, you know, it's the, the person that's got the, the middle, you know, uh, middle America to upper middle-class job. That's like, well, I got, you know, the two, three kids, the house, the cars, the, this, that, and they're like, they can't take a risk. Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. They, they got people counting on them, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and themselves and they're comfortable and the, to speak to the company. Yes. Right. That's the part. That part, Joe. That part. They're comfortable. They're comfortable. Right. So it's like it. It's like courage or comfort. Choose. Choose one. Yeah. Yeah. And what's courage for one person is not necessarily, you know, it does not equal what courage is for somebody else or somebody else's position. And yeah. And this isn't me saying that one way is better than the other. Absolutely not. You know, I, I think, um, you know, because I remember somebody once said like, oh, well, is is, uh, you know, is the power of dreaming like going to pay my mortgage? And I'm like, well, it might. You took the court. You took the mortgage right in the first place. So like you set yourself in that position, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and there's only so much you're going to be able to do because you, you're already allotting so much money mm-hmm. to that. And, yes. uh, and, and it, like, like I said, it's important that you be able to take care you know, take care of your family, uh, and, and provide and all that. But at the same time, like that puts you in a position that it makes it that much harder to like mm-hmm. go and have that courage to f- go for that growth. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, people make choices, you know, and not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone no. needs to do no. what I'm doing. Not everyone needs to go to formulation school and risk everything, you know. Um, it's not for everybody, you know, but if you are called to do this, um, everything starts with an idea, and, you know, so when people come to me, cause I also like mentor other founders and, you know, they want to understand like, how did I build this? How did I do this with no money? How did I do this by myself in the beginning? And everything starts with an idea and everything starts with intention, you know? And I, you know, I, I read something the other day, like online that is just so brilliant. I, I wish I could remember who said it, but like, you know, we all know what ADD is like attention deficit disorder. But um, but what about intention deficit disorder Mm -hmm. and this concept of like you have to first like your brain is the GPS of your life. And if you don't tell it where to go, it's not going to take you there by itself. Like you don't just get into your car, Joe, and like hope that you arrive to where you want to go. Hope that you get to the Eagles game. Right. You tell you put the address in there. You say, take me to the Eagles game. And so it's the same. Right. So I put into my GPS like I want to build this. This is where this product is going to live. This is who it's going to serve. And this is why it needs to exist. And like this. And so then I worked backwards. Right. So it was very intentional. And that's how I got here. I, I had no money to start with. Right. And so you can like, again, not everybody wants to make soap in their house. I get it, you know, but it's really about the intention. And there's just been so many examples that of people that have created things from nothing. 
And we're not, we're not the anomalies. We're not flukes. We are just the people that decided and declared and had the intention to move forward and moved out of our comfort zone because, you know, you can stay where you are or, and, or you can decide to grow. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, once you get back from being on Shark Tank, um, you know, do you, did you, how did you prepare for potentially being aired on Shark Tank? There's literally, you just bite your nails, Joe. There's like nothing that you can do, you know? And so they were like, don't call us. We'll call you. We'll let you know. And I knew that the season was going to start in September. So I was like, great. Like, it'd be so awesome if it would air in Q4 because that'd be great, like for the holidays and then crickets. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, please air, please air, please air. And then finally, like right at the the new year, because they only give you three weeks notice, which is kind of crazy when you're a product brand, because inventory takes a lot longer than three weekly times. Um, So you have to also prepare, assuming that it is going to happen. Like, and that's also scary because now you're fronting money for inventory for like a boom that you hope is going to happen and it still might not. So we prepared, you know, we had the inventory ready. We had the systems ready back to our earlier point, you know, SMS set up, email flows, the, the warehouse was ready. Everyone was ready. And then finally, like on like the day after New Year's, they were like, congratulations, you, your episode is scheduled to air, you know, on January 20th. And they still have to put the disclaimer, Joe. But by the way, your episode still might not air. I'm like, oh, my God, when do we get to, like, relax? <laughs> like, when do – can we tell people? Like, like, what is this? Congratulations, but hey, FYI, you still might not air. Uh, so it's still nerve-wracking up until the moment that it happens. And I think they just have to allow for that because what if I go to jail? What if there's, like, what if I storm the Capitol? What if I am a bad person, right? You know, they're going to yank my episode. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, they, so, they, when Ukraine got invaded, they did a special that week. So they didn't air an episode and then they aired it at a later date. So, yeah, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. You know, acts of God can happen. Right. So, you know, so it's not until like it actually, I see myself on the television where I'm like, okay, it's happening. <laughs> okay. And luckily everything's in place. And, you know, and then, and then it was great. You know, we obviously, like everyone else, um, I don't think we did as good as the pancake guy. Like he killed it. Um, uh, the long table, uh, yeah, the guy with yeah. the pancakes, right. He did like almost a million dollars in like two weeks, you know, R- really? I haven't, yes. um, I think, I think he I recently was just in contact with him, uh, about potentially coming on the show. So hopefully, hopefully, yes. uh, what's his name? His name, Josh, John, I don't remember Jim. his name. Ah, but anyway long table is the brand and um and he went live on instagram that's how i know because he he posted he was like hey guys here we are it's like been two weeks and we're like at you know uh like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in sales you know yeah yeah so amazing uh so happy for him because i know he was a small brand he was only like in 20 stores and obviously he sold out like he was not prepared for that you know everyone is hoping that they're gonna it's gonna do great but it also just depends on the product you know what i mean how it resonates with, with consumers. So we did well, it was great. Like we, you know, our business like went, grew like 500%. You know? Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's, so that's, I mean, that is the tough thing, right. Is knowing whether or not uh, how much inventory to build up for 
and and to sit on. I mean, yeah. I guess you know, in some cases, I mean, if you don't have a ton of SKUs, it's not the end of the world because like you'll sell it eventually, you know, and yeah, and, and all that. But it still tons of, ties up a lot of money uh, yeah. and and space, <laughs> you know, that you might not necessarily always have access to. Um, so yeah, I, I know that it can be pretty nerve wracking. Did you do a, a watch party for it? I kind of like I did a mini one, like one of my team members came over who lives in New York. Um, and then another friend of mine from the neighborhood came over, but I was just so like anxious and nervous. I was like, I can't be around a million people. Like everyone else, my friends had their own watch parties and they send me pictures and I was like, thank you. But I was like, I just need to sit here with my margarita with two people on my couch and like get through this moment. Um, so I, I didn't personally host a big watch party, but, um, other people, you know, we did like a pre, like a red carpet, like pregame Instagram live, um, like just, you know, preparing people, um, like half an hour before, but for the actual viewing event, I kept it super small. Mm. Yeah. I I mean, I, I I definitely could see that. Cause like, I feel like I would want to like, as much as I would love to have everybody around me, I also would be very nervous about my website or wanting to answer emails and, uh, and, and chats and things like that coming through, uh, DMS and all and, and be involved there. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, and we watched it was so fun to watch, you know, the live view from in Shopify to watch like the minute the doors open and I walk I'm not even in the tank, the minute the doors open and they say your name, like it was like boom, like thousands of people were, you know, on the website live. And, like the whole eastern seaboard like lit up because you know it airs on the east coast first. Yep. Um so it was like everything west of the Mississippi was just like blue, you know, uh, just <laughs> you know, people like on the website. So that was super cool to witness. And so, and how did you wind up coming across my video? Um, I think someone sent me uh, a link like, oh, your episode, I think my dad sent me a link like, oh, your episode is up on YouTube. And I was like, oh, ABC posted the link already. Wow, that's fast. And then I was like, oh, no, it's Joe. (laughs) It's not ABC. (laughs) Um, Because I had used, you know, I had gone to your channel to see like past episodes of people to just study what the sharks were asking people. Um, cause you know, not everyone's episode is like on the ABC channel. Sometimes it's only on yours. Mm-hmm. So that's how, um, that's how I got alerted. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's what, it's funny that your dad reached out, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I see that with the, with the, um, with the search results. Right. And that's why like, I try to do the videos the night that they air and uh, not even like, with you know since your pitch was first you know to do your pitch ideally before the episode's done airing on mm. the east coast because mm-hmm. there's that many people that are searching once i get to the west coast there's not nearly as many people searching yeah. Yeah. um but it's still like as close to that as i can possibly get the video up that's always the goal like yeah. get that first pitch up get the second pitch up as quick as possible behind it yeah um so before it's on the west coast everything is already up but yeah, yeah you, i mean you can see the search how you go like google.com slash trends and you could see like yeah you know it's pegged to the to the ceiling there but um i'm glad that you you got to use the channel for uh you know to, to research and all that <laughs> yeah. yeah research yeah absolutely i'm like okay let me think of all the questions that they're going to ask. And of course, you know, as you saw in the episode, there's they, there has to be one question where there's like a gotcha moment, right? Where I was like, I memorized every single number except for the net profit. Damn, you know? Oh. And so that was the moment where there it was like, dun, 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 you know, where it's super dramatic. Um, and of course, they and I knew 
like that there was going to have to be some moment of tension like that because otherwise again it's not interesting television to watch and i knew from my experience in the tank i was like there was only two moments in my entire time in the tank where there could be potential like you know these like gotcha moments that they were going to like zoom in on and so i already knew what they were because there were really only two and and they chose that one so um so i wasn't that didn't catch me off guard You know, I'm surprised more people don't come into the tank with like a piece of paper, like the, was it the You're chicken coop guy? You're not allowed. Didn't the chicken coop guy come in with a piece of paper? Oh my god, I don't think so. Did I, he? I feel like it was him that had it like tucked in his like oh. shirt pocket, and he pulled it out to like answer. But but that makes sense that you're not allowed, and why people don't because I mean it doesn't make for great TV. No. To be like, hold on, let, let me, me get out my spreadsheet. Like, yeah, folding the thing. <laughs> okay, what is it you want to know? <laughs> exactly. Or I should say like, what is it that you want to yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, 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 Sandra, thank you uh, so much for being here. What does the future of of No Polara look like? Yeah, I mean, you know, now we have raised funds. So now I have a team of nine. I have nine people on payroll. You know, the Woo! fact that I can provide, you know, benefits and 401ks to people. I'm still like my mind is blown, right? Because I, I used to barely survive. You know, I used to make $40,000 a year in New York, which is like not survivable. <laughs> And, uh, and so I have a team now, you know, we, you know, we have hundreds of retailers. And so really now that with the team in place, we're able to service them better, you know, doing some like in-store activations, uh, which is super fun. And in R&D, like I'm, I'm the head of product, I'm the head of R&D. So deep into new product formulations, releasing some new products this year and in talks with like some big retailers, you know, that hopefully we will land either at the end of this year or like they'll say yes this year and then it'll happen next year because they have long lead times. So that's really kind of the next stage of just building like, you know, us, our national business mm-hmm. before we go overseas, before we become a global brand and we take it to, you know, to Europe and such. Take it to, <laughs> take it to the beaches of Normandy. Okay. We're going to go straight to France first. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> um, so, Again, thank you so much for being here. Can you let everybody know how they can get their hands on No Palera? Yes, yes. Um, so No Palera, you can go to our website, nopalera.co. So not .com, but .co. Um, you know, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on TikTok. We have, you know, like over 100,000 followers, you know, between the two. And Woo. then... Um, you know, we are at Nordstrom.com. We're at CredoBeauty.com, free people. And um, and then in, we're in like 400 boutiques across the country. So I, I can't redo that list because I can't even keep track of them. Uh, you'll just have to <laughs> hopefully find them <laughs> in, your, in your city. But literally we have, we're in boutiques in all like, in like 42 states, like everywhere except for the Dakotas. So a lot of wow. um, really cute lifestyle stores around the country. So yeah, that's that's how you Phenomenal. can find us. Phenomenal. Uh, you know, I just it's so awesome uh, to see see your progress and see how everything has just exploded for you. I love that. I love that you love the fact that you're able to provide for nine people and their families like that so is so amazing. Uh, I mean, that's what, what we do. You know, what this is all about, you know, being yeah. able to help other people, not yes. just the customers, but the no, team as well. The team right? is so amazing. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Uh, it, it, it always absolutely is. So, uh, Sandra, thank you so much for being thank here. You. I greatly appreciate it. I'd love to follow up with you at some point and uh, see what you got going on. 
Yeah, let's do like a where is she now in like a year and see yes, <laughs> how far I've gone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks for all the work that you do to, you know, to um, elevate our stories and share our stories with with other entrepreneurs. And I hope that this is also valuable for other people that are building businesses, you know, because entrepreneurship is lonely, as you know, and it's good to just know that there's other people that are going through it with you. 1000%. You are not alone. The super community is here uh, to, to help answer questions, do whatever it is that you need for support to get where you want. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's why it's like one of the main reasons I do all this. So yeah. So, uh, so I appreciate you making it all the way to the end. If you haven't watched Sandra's pitch, go click up here. If not, I'll see you in the video down below. Take care and go be super.